You know, we're starting on this new series called We Believe. And uh, I've been thinking about it for several months, actually. This is something that actually kind of, I, I asked the, the elders there, what do you guys think about this? I remember talking to Nick about it because um, <clears throat> I thought he might be doing some teaching during this, but he actually did a lot of teaching before this. So <laughs> poor guy needs a break. needs a break. Um, but uh, so this, this series, we believe, is basically using the Apostles' Creed. Well, if you're not sure what that is, we'll um, go over that in a minute. But uh, as a launching point to the Scriptures, okay? Uh, we teach the Scriptures, okay? Um, and that's where we, all of our beliefs and things stem from, right? Uh, not the other way around. We're not looking at the Apostles' Creed. It's, it's written by men, but it is a summary of the Christian, uh, basic Christian core beliefs, if you will. Um, when I thought about this series, I, I was thinking about uh, this verse, um, 1 Peter 3.15, when I think about why would we want to do something that goes over some of the core foundations of our faith. And this verse came to my mind. 1 Peter 3, uh, verses 14 and 15 says, But even if you should suffer for righteous, righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And we're, we're dropping into the middle of a letter here, <laughs> written to a church that was being persecuted. And so, you know, uh, Peter's just saying, don't be afraid of those who would persecute you for your faith. Um, but he says, but in your heart, verse 15, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so, as we look at that, those couple of verses, you know, we just get several things come out of that. One is, is that hopefully, as we live Christ-like lives uh, around and about everywhere where we go, uh, people we work with, live near, are in family with, um, whatever, uh, that wherever, whoever God has placed in our sphere of influence, if you will, they should see our lives as different and then ask, what is the hope that you have that makes you so different? Right? And so when he says, you know, people are going to ask you, then he's saying, you, know, we're, you need to be prepared to give an answer to that. Um, you know, uh, this is really kind of maybe a little silly, but could you give an elevator pitch for the gospel? You know, <laughs> could could you say it in a few sentences or summarize your faith? And not that it all is going to be that simple or that that neatly done, but just to say, do you know what are the core beliefs that make Christianity unique? And are you living your life in such a way that uh, people would almost demand an answer? for what's, what you're about. Uh, one of the things, uh, as I've been hanging out in the book of Matthew in my own personal time with God, is when you get to chapter 5 on what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, right, longest recorded sermon Jesus ever gave, you're like, there is no way anybody could ever live that way unless there's a core transformation in that person's life, which the Bible calls being born again. Okay? Uh, you can't, 
You can't uh, live out the way Jesus calls us to live kingdom living in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 without having a transformed heart and mind. But when we do, uh, by God's grace, that kind of living demands an answer. People will take notice. And we need to be ready to give an answer. And so going over some of these core truths of our faith uh, will be helpful, hopefully, in preparing you to give an answer, okay? And so that's really the first thing about why this We Believe series. Well, in order that Jesus' followers will be confident in the foundations of their faith and so that they will be able to give reasons for the hope that they have, okay? So we're looking to shore up foundations uh, in your individual faith if you have a relationship with Christ. Um, But then the other thing is... uh, Oh, by the way, I, I ran across this quote I wanted to share with you. Um, some years ago, it's probably been a decade ago. I mean, this is, you know, you know you're old when you can start citing things back decades, okay? And I remember reading a book by these guys. Um, they were barely 19, maybe 20 years old, and they wrote a book together, and they, it was called Do the Hard Things. Do the Hard Things. That doesn't sound like... A thing any teenager would typically say, do the hard things, or may, actually any adult for that matter, do the hard things. They were saying, listen, part of life and living your life as a believer is to do the hard things. Well, on their website, which is called The Revolution, with a B, Revolution, uh, one of them says this. This caught my eye. It says, if we do not know why we believe, and if our foundation of faith is not solid now, it will be shaken later. You need to know why you believe, okay? Not just what. A lot of people can spit out what they believe, but when challenged, can't always explain why. And so that's important too. All right, so that's the first thing. Now, the second reason why we're doing this series is so that people who are curious about Christianity may know what the core tenets or beliefs of the Christian faith are and that Part of, you know, basically you can't get away from the Apostles' Creed and those things that we'll dive into the Scriptures on without understanding the gospel, okay? Uh, because I would say if the Apostles' Creed is, is, is nothing, it's at least a summary of the gospel, okay? It is a little more than that, but it's definitely a summary of the gospel. And so, so we want to make sure um, that uh, we, we, we encourage people to listen to this series, to hear uh, kind of from the source. You know, uh, movies and social media portray Christianity in all kinds of ways. You know, every time I watch a movie and the pastor's always some kind of axe murderer, <laughs> wacko job, you know, never a normal person, uh, but who lives a life different from others, you know, different in a good way, you know. It's just it, that kind of image is out there. And what I would like people to do is hear what Christians really believe. Uh, what, what it is to have a real relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So um, that's another goal of this series, right? Curious people. And you may know some curious people in your life. And I encourage you to pass on the fact that we're doing this series and that they can find out what do you believe, okay? Now, 
some things you need to know about the Apostles' Creed. There's a lot of things you, you could discover about it. But one is that the Apostles' Creed reflects core Christian truths found in the Bible, but the creed itself is not authoritative, okay? Yeah, we're not looking to the creed to be the end all, be all, okay? Sometimes when, um, you know, people hear, especially like in a non-denominational church like ours, that you're, you're going over a creed, they're like, I, I was trying to run away from that, you know? I tried to get away from that kind of formal stuff. Or some people who maybe that's their faith tradition, but now they're coming here are like, oh, I feel like I'm coming home, you know? You kind of get both ends of the spectrum. But, you know, everything we believe and do is based in the Scripture. It's just that, you know, the creed kind of summarizes some core truths. It's just a way to kind of distill some some beliefs in a few sentences, really, okay? So it reflects what the Scripture is saying. Kind of like the sun and the moon, right? At some point in science, I don't know when, uh, you are to learn that the moon doesn't have a light of its own, right? It actually reflects the sun's light. That's what you're seeing at night, right? And so this Apostles' Creed is nothing on its own, but it's pointing us and reflecting the truths of Scripture, okay? I wanted to get that out there right out of the gate. Um, But it does a good job of summarizing some of the core things. So we at Darby Creek here, we teach the Bible uh, we put ourselves under it, all right? It is the final authority on everything. Um, and we just, we're just going to use uh, this Apostles' Creed, which is a couple thousand years old, uh, that has been used to kind of pass on uh, some of the core beliefs. Now, think about it. You're back in the second century or some first century or whatever. You, there's not a lot of printing presses, right? <laughs> right? So, so oral tradition, things would have been, tried to summarize and distilled, right, passed on orally. And so this is a similar thing, that's all. Now, I will say this, Bible-believing Christians believe more than the Apostle Creed says, but they don't believe less, okay? Bible-believing Christians believe more than what the Apostles' Creed says, but they don't believe less. At Darby Creek Church, we have a statement of faith, and we have a statement on marriage, and we have a statement on the sanctity of life. And I know today, actually, many churches, they're uh, talking about the sanctity of human life as the sanctity of human life Sunday. Um, and we've done that before, and we certainly do uh, def- uh, try to defend uh, the unborn and so on in all lives. But, but just saying that we have these other statements that, you know, if somebody wants to be a member here, they want to be a leader here, they want to be employed here, they want to teach Sunday school here, they have to agree to those things, which are more than the Apostles' Creed, right? Statement of faith, uh, statement on marriage, statement on sanctity of life. They have to agree to those things, or you cannot be employed here, you cannot uh, teach here, you you know, that's important to us. Uh, Our church does have some distinctives, right? That's why there are other churches, right? Right? Um, So, I just want to mention that, that, uh, you know, Bible-believing Christians do believe more than the Apostles' Creed, but not less. Now, the uh, second thing you need to know is that the Apostles' Creed is used to teach the gospel foundations and to protect us from error. Um, anybody here grow up in a tradition where there was some sort of catechism? Raise your hand if you did. Okay. Um, catechism or a catechist is basically just a standard of teaching. 
It's a way of formally distilling um, truths about that particular faith tradition. That's what it's meant to be. Okay? Uh, to try to understand what it is um, that faith believes. Now, so the creed, and some of you may have uh, recited that in your church uh, service growing up. I know my wife, uh, she grew up in a Methodist church. She said, you know, as we were driving in today, that every Sunday they, they would recite the Apostles' Creed, and many do. And uh, she said, well, after I became a Christian, uh, and then I was somewhere reciting the Creed, it really had so much more meaning, because I understood what it meant to affirm these things, and that these were important. It wasn't just something we did, right? So, um, so, if you will, this Apostles' Creed is being kind of a summary of some core truths um, that help us uh, remember some important things that are tied to the Scriptures. Paul told Timothy in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 13, he said, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So listen to that. He says, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me. Paul says, I taught you some things. I taught you good sound doctrine. Now you follow that pattern. You pass it on. Little young pastor, which Timothy was a young pastor. He's saying, you need to make sure you do that. And much of 2 Timothy really is about guarding the gospel, making sure that that core gospel message was not distorted or corrupted. That's important for us. As believers, you need to know the non-negotiables, okay? Um, my wife, uh, she teaches uh, people how to read. Uh, she's been doing this for some years now, and she uh, has some uh, special training on helping students that have dyslexia. And to get her certification to do this particular training, she had to... Um, do a little um, self-learning by uh, getting some videos and, and then also um, practicing on some brave individuals who, which she taught them to read. And they're very thankful to this day uh, to her to do that. Uh, you know, and so, but then after those few uh, people and after going through this curriculum, she had to meet with the person that designed the curriculum and she had to teach it to her. You talk about intimidation. When, you, when you, you're teaching the, the person who, made the, who created this system. And um, why do you think she wanted people to do that? So they do it right? So that they would stay true to how she made it. The purity of the system, they, she wanted it to be maintained. And I, I appreciate that. And um, reading is important. This is even more important. The purity of doctrine, right? Of the core tenets of the faith, okay? And so just realize that, you know, this creed was just used as a way to try to distill some of these core things, to try to keep you uh, kind of guardrails for these core truths so you wouldn't go off and somebody's saying, no, hey, you know, that Jesus being God thing is really not that important. You're like, whoa, no. That's important, okay? And that's in the creed, okay? It's in the Bible, but 
summarized in the Creed. Okay. Now, third thing I want to mention about the Apostles' Creed is that uh, memorizing it or reciting it will not make you a Christian. Okay. Um, it's important that you understand the words in it and what they mean and what the implications of those words are. So intellectual understanding is very important. Um, we have a faith that is, uh, might, might I say, propositional, meaning truths. Okay? Um, and, and so, but there's more to it than just intellectual understanding of the information, but that is where it starts, Right? That's why we need to spread the gospel and tell other people how they can have a relationship with God. And uh, in a men's discipleship group I'm a part of, we're starting to learn how to communicate the gospel in a diagram form called the bridge diagram. All right, And many people have been doing this for many years. Some of you may have learned it or some variation of it. But basically what it does is it talks about how you know, God um, designed us to know Him, to designed us so that we'd have abundant life, but then something happened. We have a problem, God provided the solution, and now we have to have a response to that. Now that's a very broad brushstroke to the bridge diagram because there's a filling in of information there. But, but basically what, what I'm saying here is that there is a core there are core pieces of information you need to have to become a Christian. Okay? So there is an information component to it, but when you look at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, and take a look at this, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that phrase, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you will be a Christian. And then it gives a little more information. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now, I think one of the things we can take away from that is that there is a heart level of getting it in addition to understanding things. In other words, Somebody can't truly say and believe the phrase, Jesus is Lord, and know what that means and truly accept that without something having happened in their heart. I mean, you can say the words and not believe it. People do that all the time. They say things that they believe, but they have no impact on their life whatsoever, and it doesn't, doesn't affect their, uh, the core of their being. But true saving faith is convicted by that information about my problem of sin and recognizing there's only one way to be made right with God and, and therefore responds to that, right? And that's something that happens in our heart. So there's a heart belief and a mouth that confesses, right? So I think it's important for us to realize that, that it's head and heart. Uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in another way of thinking about it, our a relationship with God affects our affections, okay? Our affections, it affects us. It, it, uh, we feel something for God, okay? So, several things, I and mean, there's more we could be said about that, but 
But what does the Apostles' Creed say? I don't want to assume everybody here knows what it says, and I've been going on about it. How about we just, what does it say? Okay? And uh, so just here, uh, it just take me a minute to recite it for you here. But it says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. That'll be a fun one to talk about. The third day he rose again from the dead, meaning that, you know, there's a lot of controversy about it. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. That's one rendition of the Apostles' Creed. There are others, okay? Um, I think some say he ascended in, descended into darkness, okay, uh, and so on, rather than into hell. Um, and we'll, like I said, we'll get to that when we get to that phrase, all right? Um, now, so that's what the creed says, okay? Uh, all I want to do today, besides kind of introduce uh, the, the why we're doing this and what the creed is, uh, what I've done so far, is I want to talk about, you know, the, the creed starts off, I believe, How are we doing now, Captain? All right, good. As, as my uh, freshman English teacher used to say, oh, man, he was, he was a dude, man. So I used to be in the AV, little, little side thing here. All right, this is a little extra. I used to be in the AV department in my high school. I used to be the crew chief. This is a very nerdy title, the crew chief. It, it all started there, man, yeah, the whole, the whole tech thing. Well, so our... AV department was right across, just, I mean, a stone throw, or actually it's a spitball throw, from uh, Mr. Gummerlock, freshman English teacher, and uh, short but very feisty guy, always had a tan, I don't know where he got that in Fletcher, Ohio, but anyway, so anyway, back those days, you know, the, they recorded things on those reel-to-reel video recorders, and we record a lot of things on PBS. Uh, programs that are educational, and then play them in the classrooms. And they had all these elaborate labyrinth of coax cable going all through the building, hooked up to this one little reel-to-reel thing back in the, uh, in the bunkers of the AV department. And you know what he would say when it was time to turn it on? Shoot the juice to me, Bruce. That's what he would say. In other words, you know, how is the, is it, anyway, anyway, okay. I know that'll change your life right there. Okay. Now, why, why, uh, what, what do we mean when we say I believe? Well, I believe means more than I have an opinion. Because, you know, I can say I believe in UFOs, but never really look into it. I can say, well, this is my opinion that, that, I, that I believe they exist. But, but never having actually done some kind of investigation on my own or anything. Right? 
And so a lot of times it can have, when somebody says, I believe something, have kind of an opinion flavor to it, right? Or they might say, I believe in democracy without ever voting, you know? And in other words, that belief never having um, an influence over their actions, right? We're not talking about that kind of belief, all right? What we're talking about is uh, when we say, we, I believe these things, it means we have a confident trust and faith in the truth revealed in the Scriptures regarding the things that are said in the Creed. Now, we believe these are actually true. All right? We, 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 and we actually stake our future on them and our very lives and worldview hang upon them. Okay? So, we need to realize that when we say uh, these things, we believe them, it, it really does mean more than some kind of an opinion. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, talks about the importance of faith. And then goes into what we call the hall of faith, mentioning people who by faith pleased God by the way they lived. Verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The, convictions of th- the conviction of things not seen. So this faith, as you can get there, it's not like a wishing type of faith. Like, I, by golly, I really hope this is true. You know? No, it, it's, it's like, I know it's true. That word assurance, right? Has that sense of, I know it's true. It's the conviction of things not seen. I've not seen Jesus, uh, right? I, I wasn't here when he walked on the earth. But I know he existed. I know he was real. I know he died on the cross. I know he rose from the again, rose again from the dead. There's evidence to support that. Our faith is reasonable, okay? And so, it's an assurance. I believe. I, I know, Okay? When we say these things, we are convinced of them. In fact, uh, as you, I'll just go to verse 6 here, because it does mention people who live by faith. But when you go to verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him, to please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. If there's one thing I would encourage everybody that's going to be with us through this series, is to, that I I pray that it would draw you closer to the Lord Jesus. I pray that you would grow deeper in your walk and more solid in your faith. And if you're someone who is curious about Christianity, my prayer for you is that you would seek God with all your heart. That you would say, Lord, reveal yourself to me as I learn what Christianity is really about. And ask Him to give you a willing heart to act on what He shows you. Alright? So, we can have confidence in the truth of who Jesus said He was. We can trust what our Bibles are telling us. There's a lot of evidence for that. And there's a lot of, a lot of resources to learn why we can trust our Bibles. Okay? If you're interested... Uh, in that, I'd be happy to point you to a number of resources that would show you we can trust our Bibles. The evidence is there if you're willing to investigate. 
You know, many people today believe that all religions, uh, if genuinely practiced, lead us to God. Um, or all roads lead to the same path, as it's often stated. Um, or some people would go so even so far as to say nobody can know what's really true when it comes to religion. Okay. Now, or sometimes stated this way, um, true for you, but not true for me. Glad you found your truth. Okay. Um, I've got my truth. Um, I think we need to talk about truth for a second. Let's talk about a couple different kinds of truth, William. How about there's one type of truth I would categorize as subjective truth. That may sound like an oxymoron to you, but just listen. It is true that the best cake is cherry chip with cherry icing. That is true. That's true for me. Okay? may not be true for you, but it is the best cake. Don't make me one, please. All right, but I'm just saying, if I say the best cake is cherry chip with cherry icing, that is true for me, but you probably have something else you like. That's subjective. It is true for me, but not true for you. On the level of talking about religion, Christianity versus Buddhism versus Islam versus uh, whatever, um, that is uh, not subjective. Um, and let me just explain on a very simple, uh, pick one thing, just to show that um, it's just not a matter of opinion. Uh, there is right and there is wrong, there is true, there is false, and not in a subjective way. Okay? For example, Buddhists are basically agnostic about God, Hindus believe there are millions of gods. Islam believes Jesus is not God. Christianity centers on Jesus and his divinity, that he is God. Okay? At their core important beliefs, they're contradictory of one another. They cannot all be true. Therefore, some of them are false. Okay? It's just, I mean, this is not... In a sense, it's not rocket science. I mean, you can't have A and not A. Basic philosophy, okay? So, um, I was just saying, you know, so, so now it comes out, well, what's the right way? And, and that's what I hope at least somebody that might be curious about faith said, you know, I need to be about checking this out. I need to be looking into it. Because there is a right way and a wrong way. I heard an argument, I, you know, one of the websites I go to for um, studying apologetics is Stand to Reason, str.org. And um, I, now there are, there are some challenges with this particular line of reasoning, but I will say this. One way to say this is, how do I know Christianity is true? Jesus said it was. How do I know Christianity is the right way? Jesus said it was the way. You know, and of course, then you then you have to defend. You know, Jesus really existed. Then you have to, you know, he was a historical figure, which some people even doubt today. Which I, it just blows my mind. Um, but anyway, Jesus Himself said, "I am the way and the truth. No one comes to the Father but through me." I mean, it's, it doesn't get any more exclusive than that. He wasn't saying there are many ways to God, and I'm one. Okay, so you have to realize this. This 
way of thinking is flawed that says true for you but not but not true for me you know it's it's true or it's false and you really the 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 implications of what it, which one is true and which ones are false are eternal and so you know you, um, some people don't want to deal with these things but you owe it to yourself to check into it so we live in a world that's very, that, that rules a lot by pragmatism. And what I mean by that is, if it works, it must be okay. It must be right. If it works, it's right. Well, you shouldn't be concerned about what works. You should be concerned about what's true. Okay? Because some things might, quote, work for you, but they're not true. Okay? So we have to realize uh, we need to be seeking what is true. Go into things with an honest evaluation and where the evidence leads. And I believe Christianity uh, is the way, and it is true. Um, and that as we go through this creed, you'll, uh, you'll see uh, the core components and how they fit together. All right? Now, so that's one aspect of what we mean by what we say when we believe. It's not a wishing thing. It's not, a, it's not a, an opinion thing. No, we, we really believe these things are true. All right? Now, last thing here. What do we mean when, I, when we say I believe? I believe means I have a faith commitment to God that is demonstrated by obedience. I believe means I have a faith commitment to God that is demonstrated by obedience. Now, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says, and Jesus himself said this, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. They're they're going back again. Just because something came out of somebody's lips doesn't necessarily mean that there's something going on here that matches up with it in their heart. What does Jesus say, though? He says, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. See? There is a connection between authentic faith and a life lived, an obedient life. Now, granted, once someone puts their faith in Christ and comes into a relationship with God through Jesus, doesn't mean they're going to be perfect and always obey perfectly. No. But their inclination will be to go that way. And there will be a, they'll be on a trajectory of following Him and obedience. Yes, there'll be ups and downs, but the trajectory will be one of obedience and wanting to do that which pleases our Lord. So, we see that believing there and even just mouthing some words doesn't mean anything. James got it. He understood there's a connection between faith and our works. He says in chapter 2 of his letter, James says in chapter 2, verses 14 to 17, he says, what good is it, brothers, if someone says he has faith, again, words, someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? Meaning, is that a saving faith? And then he says in verse 15, if a, it gives an example. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, 
And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, be filled. In other words, does nothing but give words. He says, without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Okay? And so, you know, he's saying, listen, our faith and our actions are intertwined. Right? A person whose heart has been gotten a hold of by the Holy Spirit and has authentic faith is going to want to be inclined to do that which pleases the Father. Okay? And in this particular example, it was serving their brother and sister who was in need. Okay? Now, just to give you a couple of simple examples of the importance of a faith demonstrated. You know, I can say I have faith in my car, but I show my faith in my car by getting in it, starting it up, and driving it from point A to point B. That is me showing I believe my car I, I, it's going to work for me. Okay, <coughs> Excuse me. I just had surgery, as many of you know, on my leg. Got a bionic leg now. No, just kidding. <coughs> and um, I had faith in my surgeon. Yeah. And, and um, I, I laughed with my small group online. We were talking about how I almost watched a video on how the surgery was going to go down. Uh, there are videos out there. <coughs> Excuse me. Losing my voice. <clears throat> and um, I didn't because I knew I'd, I'd chicken out. <clears throat> I exercised my faith in that surgeon by letting them operate on me. So far, the results are good. Okay? It's important for us to realize our faith must have feet. Our declarations of whether we're saying the creed or whatever <clears throat> should impact how we live. It's important. And so, as we go through each of the phrases in this creed, and we, we're using it as a launch pad in the scriptures, <clears throat> we need to realize those truths that we will dive into, we're going to talk about not just what they are, the information, but we're going to talk about how they ought to affect us and how we live. Because our faith and how we live our lives are, should be forever entwined. Okay? If it's real faith. Now, one thing I want to say, too, if you're a parent, God has given you those children that you have, and you are the primary person to instill in them the core tenets of your faith, okay? Yes, they will have to come to a point where they express their own saving faith, But it's up to you to teach them these things. Deuteronomy chapter 6 mentions about how it's an instruction to parents. You know, parents, we ought to be 
as we go along the way, as we walk by the way, as we recline, we, we talk about the things of God so that our kids know that this faith is real. It's not something that's just mouthed, but it interfaces our very lives as we live it. And we need to pass that on. Okay? Again, not, not um, ignoring the need for individual acceptance of those beliefs by every child. That's what we pray. But, but they need to be taught what the truth is, and then it's up to them to receive it eventually. Okay? But some people think it's the church's job to do that for them. The church's job, as I see it, um, like in children's ministry or whatever, is supplementary. It's to supplement what Christian parents are to take on as their primary responsibility. Okay? And I asked the question about catechism here recently. I said, anybody, right? Um, there are catechisms, Christian catechisms, I mean, real biblically-based things that you can get for children that just goes over key components of faith for different age levels. Um, you know, there. I, I'm just saying that, you know, family devotions, once a week or something, you know, if, if, if nothing else, where you can sit down and talk about faith things. Instruct your children, you know. Let them hear the word of God from you. And let them see it lived out in your life, in your prayers. So, you know, my kids are gone, right? They're on to their own lives, adult lives, doing their thing. Um, but some of you are still raising your children. And, well, you know, it doesn't even matter if you're a grandparent. You still, still have influence, okay? Don't forget that. Now, even if you don't have children, this idea of passing on your faith, <clears throat> Paul mentions it. He mentions it in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Um, 2 Timothy 2, 2, where he talks about <clears throat> the thing, he says, the things, Timothy, you've heard from me, you teach to capable men who will be able to teach others also. Kind of like the baton passing of the faith. And so, to, to Timothy, he wasn't really saying that necessarily to his physical children. I don't even know what his marital status was, personally, of Timothy. But, but, um, but just saying that, you know, it's, it's incumbent upon every believer to take it upon ourselves, the mission that Jesus has given us. Because when you sign up to follow Jesus, do you know what you're signing up for? Matthew chapter 4, I've been in Matthew in my personal quiet times. Jesus is calling his disciples. And what does he say to them? Matthew 4.19, he says, Follow me and I will, what? Make you fishers of men. He's speaking to fishermen and he's saying, You know what? I've got a job for you guys. And if you follow me, you'll learn how to fish for men. This fishing for men thing is just a metaphor for passing on the faith and sharing the gospel with others. That's what it is. You, can't, you cannot say, I'm following Jesus, and say, you know what, well, I'm, I'm just not one of those Christians who's very vocal about my faith. 
Okay, we all have different personalities, okay? Some of us more boisterous, some of us less. Some of us outgoing, some of us less. But it does not remove from us this call that God has on our lives who says, follow me, follow me and I will make you. You know, if you're about following Jesus, he'll do the work. If you're willing to, as David Platt said in our small group the other week, not that David Platt's in our small group, but we're watching one of his video series called Follow. And he says, you got to write Jesus a blank check. You got to come to him and say, you know what? Whatever you want to do in my life, wherever you want to send me, whatever you want to do, I'm yours. And so when you read in your Bible in Matthew chapter 4 in your quiet time and he says, follow me and I will make your fishers of men, you can say, well, I'm sorry, Jesus, I, we're, I can't do that one. No, you can. You can. I think it's just about following him, having a heart to follow him, and asking him to give us a heart to, to love people enough to say the truth while serving them too. Okay? I'm all about doing good deeds for people, okay? I want to tell them the good news too, okay? I don't think it has to be an either or. Do you, Charlie? I know he doesn't believe that. He believes both and, okay? I'm saying that because he loves evangelism, okay? I know it's on his heart. So, anyway, I'm not off track here, believe me. What I'm trying to say is <clears throat> this point number two about what do we mean when we say I believe? I believe means it has implications that I'm going to be, I'm going to follow Jesus. And these truths that are in the creed, they, they have implications for my life and beyond. Okay. All right. Listen, let's pray. Let's ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we stand on the shoulders of centuries of other believers. As we look at this creed, not as some authoritative doctrine, but as something that summarizes what the authority of Scripture says. And so, Lord, we just pray that as we, as we go about our week, that we would, if we're a believer, Lord, that we would say, Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. And in my deeds, I want to live it out. I want what I believe to influence everything in my life. My marriage, my work ethic, my bank account, my words. And Lord, I just pray too that those listening today and in the future weeks, Lord, give us all ears to hear. Holy Spirit, work. Draw people to yourself. Let us come to you with a blank check, without reservation, knowing that you have our good in mind. Help us to come with an honest heart to want to know what your word says about what's true about Christianity, about following Jesus. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.